Hey guys, welcome in for episode three of Sideline to Sideline. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jason Daly. I'm joined by the best hair in podcasting, Travis Wells. Rav, it's good to be here with you today. As always, good time. Let's do it. All right, we're going to roll right into the tip-off this week, which, Rav, we've we're going to kind of combine this week with our Around the Association segment because we had a big news in the NBA this past week, a blockbuster trade uh, finally, uh, the Kyrie Irving trade between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Boston Celtics. Uh, I, want to, I want to start from the beginning on this, Rav. So what I, was, what I want to do is I want to start at the beginning, look at the trade that was originally made, um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about that first. Let's talk about that first. So, uh, the trade that was made originally was Cleveland sends Kyrie to Boston for uh, the Brooklyn Nets' 2018 unprotected first-round pick, <clears throat> along with Ante Zizic, um, who is a rookie seven-footer prospect, and also Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder. Um, what, what's your immediate thoughts on the initial trade that was made? I like it for both teams. I mean, if you're if you're Cleveland, you get Thomas, which is what you wanted. You get a you get the first round pick, which you got to think will be top five. So you get a shot at you get a shot at Bagley and Porter and the foreign guy's name I can't think of. So you get your you're now helping your future help to try to get LeBron to stay. Um, I love I love Zizic. Um, he's a, coordinated Timothy Moskov, um, which is, you know, that's exciting. Um, he can be – he's a rim runner. He can play a little D, which is what you need now. Um, Jay Crowder is dead. Um, I don't really know what you – I guess he's in there for the contract. That dude's dead. He's done. Um, he might be able to help you off the bench, but he's a throwaway player to me. I, I don't I don't see any any reason to be excited about Jay Crowder anymore. Love you, man, but just don't see it anymore. And, of course – on Boston, you get Kyrie, and Kyrie. I think Kyrie makes a lot of sense in the Brad Stevens system. Um, Thomas turned into an all-star in that system, and it really plays to Kyrie's strengths. I mean, if you look at what Isaiah was doing last year, as far as getting to the rim, running the pick and roll, shooting on the break, um, you know, coming off a pick, hitting the pocket pass, all things Kyrie does anyway, but he does it better. Mm-hmm. So you got to think. It's a win for both teams. You get, you get if you're Cleveland, you get rid of the bad locker room presence. You get something that maybe could get LeBron to at least think about staying. Yeah, the more I think about it, <clears throat> I actually I'm, I agree with you. I I like it a lot for both teams um, for all the reasons that you said. You know, Boston gets their guy that they think can take them to the next level. You know, a 25 year old four time All Star. Cleveland salvages. Uh, what we had discussed before could have been a terrible situation for them. I, I actually thought that they were going to get into a situation like the Pacers were and get, you know, nothing like what they got. But they end up, you know, with their new GM, uh, Altman, who's relatively a young guy, but in his first, you know, real move as the Cavs GM makes a hell of a trade. Um, and it was a great trade for both sides. But, you know, it's it's really a fascinating trade because – you know, if you look at, let's start with Cleveland side of it. 
they get guys, like you said, that could possibly help them win this year, maybe convince LeBron, et cetera. But they also get that, you know, 100% lottery pick from the Nets. So now if at some point, you know, if they think that, hey, they can do it this year, they have the option. They could trade that pick. They could flip that pick for something. Yeah. Or, or they could just hang on to it. And if they are really feeling bad about it and just say, okay, well, we've got a building block for the future. So that's really fascinating. Yeah. I think that they they could take that pick and flip it for something if they think it might put them push them past the Warriors. <clears throat> um, and then the on the other side for the Celtics, the interesting thing is that, okay, now you get a guy like Kyrie at 25. <clears throat> I think in 19, his he'll be up for an extension. So after next season. Mm-hmm. And then they just acquired Gordon Hayward, still a young guy. He's in his prime. And uh, they they either get, in 18, they either get the Lakers' first-round pick, if it's two through five, I believe. And then in yeah, 19. Yeah, first overall protected. Okay. And then in 19, they have a similar situation with somebody's pick. Maybe Philadelphia? I That's could be wrong. I can't remember. But they've got they've got a similar uh, pick from somebody in nineteen. So they they give up Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, and the Nets pick, who which doesn't really hurt them because they still have a bevy mm-hmm. of picks. They could still have yeah. a lottery. Pick. They could still have a top five pick this year. They could have a top five pick in nineteen, and 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 pay those guys on a rookie salary. I think Jalen Brown and. What's his face? Jason Tatum will stay Tatum. on their rookie deal. Yeah, and then you'll have Hayward under contract still, and then you could, I guess, max out Kyrie at that point. I mean, that could mm-hmm. be a hell of a team in two years. That's just so it's fast, really it's fascinating safe. side of it, and then also fascinating on Cleveland's end of it, what they could possibly do. So, uh, but like I said, I like it for both teams. Um, it's going to be really yeah. interesting. Um, one of the other really fascinating things about it is that I don't I don't know how far back you would have to go, but can you remember a time where two teams at the top of their conference made a blockbuster trade like that? Where you know what I mean? I mean that's a big trade to trade between the teams that are most likely going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I, read, of- I read somewhere that. I'm going to get this wrong. I read somewhere, it was like in the 80s or early 90s, that two teams slipped some point guards, but it wasn't anything. It was like Doc Rivers or Dennis Johnson or Dennis Scott. Somebody like that got traded for a guy who's basically the same player. But, you know, mm-hmm. and the teams both finished in the top two and played each other in the finals and they or the conference finals. And um, I guess they decided the other person had, you know, more of a skill set to fit what they were trying to do the next year. But that's – it means it just doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. And I think maybe – do you think that says a lot about how much value that the Celtics place on Kyrie that they go and make that deal with their conference rival that are you – know, you know what I'm saying? Well, kind of, but – and this is something I was going to bring up later, but – we we can get into this later. We can get into it now. One thing is the Brooklyn Nets pick doesn't have as much value as it had in the past. The moves they made this off season, they're not 
I'm not sure that they are. I'm not sure that. I'm not sure that they're a lottery top three lottery team this year. Yeah, I just, I'm I mean, not pick, sure. Yeah, that pick, I could I could easily see that pick going from a top five pick to a top ten pick. So from one yeah. to five to six to ten, and and then the other. Right. I was just gonna say it sounds like at this point, you know, the draft in eighteen is going to be very top heavy. You know, when you get past the first six, seven, maybe eight picks, the talent drop. You know, the level drops significantly from from there is is what it seems like. Yeah, and then the other issue is um, in this segue um, into the next issue is Isaiah Thomas's hip. Um, so he has like a torn. Uh, a torn labrum on his hip, I think, um, which could be a big issue. Most people that get that, you can actually play on it. Um, obviously, he did, but um, if you play on it for too long, obviously, you make it worse. It's the kind of injury that you can put off until you have time to actually have surgery on it. Now, if you don't have surgery, it can end your career, i.e., Johnny Flynn. Um, but some other people, it really hasn't affected. Like, I know A-Rod had that issue. He's fine. Um, there was a couple other people that that I was thinking about that have had that issue that are fine. But I know A-Rod's one that sticks out in my head, and he had surgery, and next thing you know, he's fine. He also did steroids, so that might have helped him recover. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Uh, juice. He had some good juice. But, yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's where the trade stands now is that uh, you know, reports came out over the weekend that the Cavaliers were getting more worried, I guess, than they originally were about Isaiah Thomas' hip injury that you just talked about. And uh, the real interesting thing about it is, well, one of the interesting things about it is that, you know, when teams make this trade and they get on a trade call with the league, they're required to disclose whatever relevant health information they may have about a player before the deal's made final. And if there's any kind of misrepresentation of a player's health status, the league could nix the deal. They could force the team to fit draft picks. They could send the team up to a million dollars, or they could suspend front office executives and so on. So you don't think it would be worth the Celtics misconveying health information about Isaiah Thomas um, over that. So, um but anyway, so the the health or Isaiah Thomas's injury information, um, it sounds like there's some renegotiating going on to to finalize the deal. I think they have until the end of Wednesday to actually finalize that or to yeah. uh, extend, ask for an extension. So uh, it sounds like you know that they were they were trying to discuss the possibility of adding Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown to the deal. Uh, or possibly another first-round pick, but I don't think Boston is being receptive to that, and I don't, I don't think that they're going to put that on the table as additional compensation. I think maybe the best Cleveland is going to get is maybe some type of second-round pick or maybe multiple second-round picks. But um, you know, and I think that mostly is going to be just to save face, sort of, um, for taking on a guy that may not even play at the beginning of the of the year um, for Cleveland. So, uh, you have any thoughts on that? 
I don't think that Boston was trying to keep information from them. If if I knew about it and you knew about his hip injury, then Cleveland definitely knew about it. Um, I don't think that was I don't think that was hidden news. Um, I, don't, I don't really understand where that's coming from. But if I'm Boston, you, you're not touching Tatum or Brown. Um, I'll give you another. I'll give you another pick. You want a first round pick? Sure. Here you go. I'm not giving you Tatum or Brown. They're too cheap and they're too good. Yeah. Of prospects. Sorry. Yeah. It sounds like it's a little bit of kind of gamesmanship between rivals because you know, like you said, you know Cleveland knew about the injury, but it's almost like they they said, "All right, we're going to get Isaiah in here and we're going to let our team doctors give him a physical and then we're going to find out that <laughs> yeah. his hip injury his hip injury is worse than what we were originally told and you know we're going to see if we can get you know one of these guys that we originally wanted in this deal out of it or maybe another first round pick and then Boston's basically called their bluff like you know bullshit we're not going to do that yeah uh, here's a here's a second pick that's going to turn into a guy you're going to send over to Serbia so you know yeah I mean how do uh, that's, that's, what, that's what it shit like is going <laughs> yeah yeah that's what it sounds like is going on um but it's, you know, at, at the end of the day, it sounds like it's going to happen. It sounds like it's going to go through. It may even go through in its current form. But if not, it it seems like it's, if anything, it might be some very low-level uh, additional compensation for the trade um, to get that finalized. And I think Cleveland would be silly to void the trade at this point um, because then they truly would go back to putting themselves in a situation uh, where they may get little to nothing out of it. So I I can't imagine that happening. No, and I got uh, I got two things. One, how how retarded are Boston fans for burning Isaiah Thomas' jersey? I mean, come on. He got traded. He didn't leave. Right. <laughs> I, I just – I don't understand that whatsoever. Like the guy had literally no input on on his departure from Boston, but let's go ahead and take a trade? jump on his jersey. Huh? <laughs> I just don't get it. He didn't ask for a trade. He played the day after his sister died. I mean, what do you want from the guy? If anybody, yeah. the, the 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 team was disloyal to him. Right. Yeah. I mean, did anybody take a dump on Kyrie's jersey and light it on fire? Cause that's the dude who started it all. Uh, I mean, and um, I don't get that. One, yeah, neither. And one thing I was wondering is, I wanted to see what you thought about this. What do you think really, just from what you've seen, what do you think really made Kyrie want out? Ooh, that's a good question. I think, I think he knows that they can't beat the Warriors the way they are, like we discussed with guys like J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson and Kyle Korver. And he thinks that if maybe he thinks if LeBron leaves next summer, which he very well could, then he's going to be the only dude left in Cleveland, and then they're going to want to hype it up as, all right, it's the Kyrie Irving show now because it'll only be 26 or whatever. And now it's Kyrie's franchise, and he's going to be stuck in a rebuilding process around him that yeah, he's going into his 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Continuing into his prime, he's going to be toiling in mediocrity. I think it was Mark Cuban that said it. I could be wrong, but Mark Cuban basically said, "I could again. I could be wrong. May not have been Mark Cuban. Somebody that's an executive in the NBA or an owner <laughs> said that there are, <laughs> there are three places that you can be in the NBA. One is contending, one is rebuilding, and." The other is toiling and mediocrity. And of the three, toiling and mediocrity is the one that you don't want to be in. And I think maybe he thought they were headed down that road, possibly. And he was like, all right, I don't want to be any part of this shit show. So I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. And guess what? I don't like playing with LeBron anyway. And so why should I have to do this for a year? And then this time next year, I'm on a, you know, I'm on a shit of a team. And I'm screwed. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I wondered if part of it was um, just their style, their style of play, because it was almost like LeBron goes and then Kyrie goes. If somebody gets hot, you just get the ball. JR, if JR gets hot, let him keep shooting threes. But, you know, certain players like more of a structure, if that makes sense. And I never felt like watching Cavs games that Kyrie had much of a structure. Um you know, your Kyrie in, in high school structure is you're the best player in the, on the court, do your thing. Um, in college, you had Coach K, and I, I think we can both agree, Coach K can coach some X's and O's, and he probably told uh, – I mean, it's hard to watch the Duke-Kyrie tape because only he will play for like three games, but even at Duke, it felt like he had a defined role. Um, in Cleveland, it's never really felt like that to me. It felt like it was um, – we're trading off. But if you look at Boston, like mm-hmm. I said earlier, they have a system, and maybe I mean he he, he can control a little bit of his trade because you know if Cleveland comes back and says, "Hey, we got a trade with Portland," he can say, "Yeah, I'm not going to resign there," and then Portland's like, "Yeah, I don't want to do this," you know. So if yeah. they come back to him and say, "Hey, it's Boston," you can say, oh, "Okay, cool, I'll resign there," and then all of a sudden he's at least picking a system or a coach or teammates he likes. I was, I wonder if it's less about LeBron and more is more about maybe he just wants to go to a place where what he what is expected of him is more defined maybe and and less about um, you know it's LeBron's show and um, I'm his Robin. Yeah, that's really interesting too because I think that there's no question in my mind. That Brad Stevens is a much better coach than Tyron Lue. Um, <laughs> Sorry, so, I really laughed really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't even think it's close. But <laughs> not. you know, if you're if you're Kyrie, you're looking at Brad Stevens and what he's done with Isaiah Thomas. And not that Isaiah Thomas is a bad player, but he averaged almost 29 points a game and this and that last year. You know, obviously, I mean, he had a hell of a season. So he's looking at that situation thinking maybe if that guy can do this with Isaiah Thomas, then what can he do with my game? And if he takes my game yeah. to that level, then what Then what does the team look like, you know? Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, a much, it's, it's a much more positive, I mean, situation and long-term outlook in Boston. I mean, you got to remember the guy's only 25, so uh, he, he's yeah. – Good business is short-term and long-term for him, it looks like. Yeah, for sure. Um, two two fun facts. 
well, one that I remember off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, two fun facts. One, it's fascinating to me that um, um, Thomas and Irving were the, were the first and last picks of that draft. I think it's pretty cool that they got traded for each other. Yes, that is. That's that's such a neat tidbit. I, that's then, That's got to have never happened. No way, yeah. It, unless it was a throw-in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. And then the other the other thing I didn't realize this other day. Did you know Irving was born in Australia? I did not know that. Yeah. So either but, his dad was in the military or a scientologist. Wow. I did not know that. I would if you would have told me he was Canadian, I would have believed that. But Kyrie sounds like a very Australian name. I guess so. It does. All right. Well, uh, let's wrap it up. We'll move on. All right. This week in the College Corner... We're going to revisit the never-ending saga, which is Mitchell Robinson, McDonald's All-American freshman who is a projected lottery pick in the 2018 NBA draft. Just to recap here a little bit of the of the saga with Mitchell, if, uh, just to catch you up at home if you've not been following along, Mitchell Robinson committed to Western Kentucky University in June of 2016. Just a couple of weeks after uh, Rick Stansberry hired his godfather, Shimon Williams, who some of you may know from his time at North Carolina, uh, Rick Rick Stansberry hired Shimon as an assistant coach there um, and seemingly led to the decision of Mitchell Robinson to attend Western Kentucky. Um, the seven-foot center, uh, he signed his, his national letter of intent in November of t- 2016, and enrolled in school at WKU in July of this year, uh, which is a little bit of a late arrival um, for for a, a, a fr- incoming freshman at a basketball program, to say the least. Uh, a couple of weeks after he arrived on campus, he basically disappeared in the middle of the night. He packed up and left, went home, and asked for his release from WKU. He was granted his release. And then this past week or so, uh, he took visits to LSU, Kansas, and New Orleans, which is a Division II school. After he took those visits, a report. <laughs> after he took those visits, a report came out that Robinson had decided to just skip college completely this season and focus on uh, preparing for the for the draft next summer. So fast forward to. Yesterday, and a report came out that Mitchell Robinson was returning to Western Kentucky to enroll in school and play his freshman season for the Hilltoppers and, I guess, prepare for the NBA draft next summer. Um, so one one interesting quote, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, ESPN quoted an NBA executive uh, regarding Mitchell's draft stock, and they basically said that this recent drama 
is not going to help his stock. Um, the quote from the anonymous NBA, <laughs> imagine that. So the quote from the anonymous NBA executive is, quote, it will depend on how he plays this season, if he even plays this season, but this entire situation certainly did not help him. So interesting, the feedback coming out of the NBA. Uh, there's obviously people in, in NBA circles that are keeping an eye on Mitchell and his whole saga and how he performs this year, if he even plays the entire season. Um, so wh- what do you think about what do you think about our buddy Mitchell Robinson, who's headed back to Western Kentucky? One thing that um, one thing that you forgot to mention was right after he. Jimber on Twitter when he decommitted after he signed his letter of intent. Yeah, oh my God, great point. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. What a, this this guy's a genius. I'm so glad you remembered that. What a genius. <laughs> the comments were amazing. <laughs> that's like they're like you can't leave, dumbass. That's like in the all. Yeah, that's like in the all time of like sports center not top tens. You sign it, you fax in your national letter of intent, you go to bed, you wake up the next morning, you know what? This Western Kentucky shit's not for me. I'm out, guys. You know, appreciate all the love. I'm opening my recruiting back up. Uh hey Mitch, it's not how it works. Uh you remember when you signed your name yesterday and we sent that letter in? That means you gotta go to school there. Yeah. It's called a contract. Um <laughs> so Mitchell is Looking like if he plays, he'll be, I guess, I'm about 98% sure he'll be the first McDonald's All-American to actually play for Rick Stansberry, but not the first to take money from him. <laughs> oh, so hey, Jeff Goodman was loves to crush him on Twitter. All our time. I really don't like Jeff Goodman, but I love watching him crush people. Uh, I will. I love watching him crush Rick Stansberry. I should say. Um, and we we can both say that we have a special place in our heart for the toppers, and um, I have no qualms about saying I am not a Rick Stansberry fan. He's a big poop emoji. <laughs> He's big time jabroni, Bubba. <laughs> yes. So uh, so uh, Mitchell, we okay, and then little tidbit here: things that we've talked about in the past. So last week's podcast, we talked about the Kyrie and the Boston trade and kind of glazed over it, but then that actually happened and my head exploded. Um, I went around work yelling about <laughs> it, and um, I think people were tired of me uh, talking about it. So the very first podcast, we talked about Robinson, and we, we both talked about the odds of him either ending up at Kansas or just not playing at all. <laughs> so when the report came out that he wasn't playing, yeah. we were both, both couldn't believe it. <laughs> we were two for two. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad on this one to, to then, lose. Um, I really I I really want to see him play for the tops. Um, I just think it'll be really cool. Um, it'll be a chance for him to break the goal. Um, in my head, he's just trying to break the goal every time he dunks. But um, it's interesting the overseas route was something that he didn't really consider. I wonder why. I mean, it didn't work for a guy like Jeremy Tyler, but it did work for Brandon Jennings and Terrence Ferguson. So you kind of wonder. You know, sitting out a year isn't good for anybody who's a draft prospect. Um, it didn't hurt Cantor, but he mm-hmm. wasn't – he was practicing every day, you know, with, with Kentucky and those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and with a guy like Robinson, if you watch the tape, he's not – he's just really athletic and he's bigger than everybody. He, he's not hitting hook shots to paint. He's not 
hitting face-up jumpers um, regularly at least um, uh, at, a, at a high enough level that you would consider it a skill at the next level. Um, it's kind of like they run me of Bam Adeabo in a lot of ways and the way he just kind of flies around and does whatever. So sitting out without having a defined skill isn't great, a great idea. And I, I wonder if I wonder if Shamad got in his ear or if somebody else got in his ear and was like, hey, man, look, you're a projected first-round pick. Just go to college. Right. I think that's exactly what happened, something just like that. I think that he took visits to these places, Kansas, LSU, whatever, New Orleans. Because New or- <laughs> the, the crazy thing about it is New Orleans would have been, other than WKU, New Orleans is the only other university that he would have been able to play this year. Um, yeah. I think that he went to went to LSU – <clears throat> and the coaches told him, like, look, we think you're a great player, but we're not going to give you a scholarship to come sit on the bench and practice this year because you're not going to get a waiver to play here. So then he thought, oh, shit, what now? And so I think he this, that happened. He decided, I'm not going overseas to play. <clears throat> so then he decided, all right, well, I'm not going back to Bowling Green to play for Rick. I'm just going to sit out this year and prepare for the NBA draft. Then somebody got word in his camp that hey, that's going to kill his stock if he's not out there, on, you know, on TV and people can't see what he's doing and seeing his workouts. And he's like, oh well, I guess let's get Rick on the phone. Let's see if he'll take me back. And uh, <laughs> so now he's, you know, and then he had to go back to school. I think his, you know, gun to, gun was to his head, and he's somebody told him that he's going to have to basically suck it up for, you know eight months and ten months and and go to school and then try to get drafted. So, you know, one one thing that is going to be fascinating is if, like we mentioned, he is right now a projected lottery pick. What if he comes in, he he doesn't light it up, doesn't light the world on fire, and then all of a sudden he's a two-year player or maybe a three-year player or a four-year player? That's going to be very interesting to see if that if something like that happens to him, um, because I mean it does happen to guys. So um, who knows? Well, I, I do wonder if you're Kansas. He goes on that Kansas visit, and Bill Self says, "Sure, you can come here. You're going to sit out of here. You're going to redshirt. Um, but basically, you're not coming here if you're just going to practice and go pro. We don't have time for that." Yeah, that's a that's a distraction that Bill Self doesn't need. Exactly. He has a hard enough time winning in March. <laughs> he does. He doesn't need any help not winning in March. My question and I about think Mitch is a heat. Well, yeah, yeah, yes. Well, it's like, okay, so like, to your point, if he, let's say he comes in and his draft stock slides for whatever reason, at, at the end of year one, what does he do? Does he transfer then? Okay, well, if he doesn't, he, there is a 0% chance he plays four years at WKU. There's no way. He either transfers or he just falls off the map. Yes. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. Or, or, wild card, plays a year at WKU, some, somehow, some way, doesn't, isn't a lottery pick, isn't, okay, he go if he's a first-round pick, he goes, Somehow, let's say, let's assume somehow, some way, he's not a first-round pick. But 
they win enough games, you know, they get they make it to the second round in the NCAA tournament somehow. Oh, cool. Good enough to get Rick Stansbury out. Good enough to get Rick Stansbury out of Bowling Green. Now all of a sudden his coach left. Mitch can get a waiver. He can go play at Kansas next year and get noticed. And now maybe he can get drafted. Or if he's not going to, he'll at least get to play at Kansas and hopefully develop into a better player. Can you imagine if that would happen? Which is, it's you know, it's not totally off the table. That scenario is, I think, is a lie. That's a much better. That's a much better odds than him playing four years. <laughs> that's like the perfect storm of Rick Stansbury. Gets a five-star recruit. Kid did. Kid. Kid didn't want to play for him like all these other kids he's got. Kid has to come back or because he, he doesn't have any other option unless he wants to go play in Guangzhou. Comes back, plays, isn't good enough to get drafted first round to get a guaranteed contract, but helps Rick win enough games to get Rick out of Bowling Green. And gets, now the kid gets a waiver and he can finally go play at Kansas where he wants to, and he plays four years at Kansas or three three years at Kansas, whatever. That's... That's a total. That's a total Stansbury move. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Um, do you want to do a? Since we've been on fire the last few weeks, do you want to do an impromptu bold prediction? Yeah, let's go for it. What do you got? All right, give me my bold prediction. It's not nothing to do with college. Dwayne Wade gets bought out and signs for the veteran minimum with Cleveland. Your turn. Your bold prediction was Dwayne Wade gets bought out and signs with Cleveland later this year? Yeah, I'm not sure it's a bold prediction. It might be pretty obvious, but I feel very confident. All right, my bold prediction, I am going to go college. My bold prediction is that Mitchell Robinson leaves WKU at Christmas break, doesn't return to school, (laughs) decides instead he's going to focus, he's going to hire an agent, and he's going to focus on preparing for the NBA draft in June. He'll have had two yeah, really months to get it. his game out there. He'll have two months to get his game out there, uh, build his stock up a little bit. Now he's a mystery wild card, and he he spends the spends the spring and late winter getting ready for the draft and hiring an agent. In your scenario, he he plays he suits up for a few games for the tops. Yes, he plays till Christmas. Fascinating. I like it a lot. I really like that. Yeah, he plays the first semester, decides he's had enough, hires his agent, gets, spends the spring getting ready for the draft. That's my bold prediction. All right, this week in uh, Player of the Week, Rav, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll lead off this week in our Player of the Week segment, and I've, I've gotten back on track here with the uh, players that I love. And my player this week, I think you're going to be a little excited by him. Uh, I chose Josh Smith, Jay Smooth. Josh Smith. I love Josh Smith. And I will post a video on Twitter after this episode of him just making some insane dunks. It's just ridiculous. So let me tell you a little bit about why I love Josh Smith. And yeah, 
So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Josh Smith and why I love the guy. So Josh Smith uh, gets drafted um, in 2004, first-round pick to the Hawks. Uh, in his uh, rookie year, he made the all-rookie second team. But more importantly, he won the NBA Slam Dunk Contest in his rookie year. He, more importantly. <laughs> more importantly, he won the NBA Slam Dunk Contest. He became only the fifth player to record three perfect scores in the same slam dunk contest, along with, listen to this, oh, wow. this, this, uh, um, this company that he keeps. So only the fifth player to record three perfect scores in the same contest, along with Jason Richardson, Vince Carter, Spud Webb, and Michael Jordan. Okay. What a... So... <laughs> Comes straight out of high school, wins the NBA slam dunk contest, all rookie second team. Uh, in March of 2007, fast forward a little bit, March of 2007, he's the youngest player to record 500 career blocks. Uh, in 2010, uh, February 2010, he's the youngest player at 24 years old to record 1,000 career block shots. And at the end of the uh, 2009 uh, I'm sorry, the 2010 season, he made the All Defensive Second Team. And he, in his career in the NBA, he played for the Hawks, the Pistons, the Rockets, and the Clippers. And most recently, uh, in 16-17, he played for the Sichuan Blue Wells in the Chinese Basketball Association. So I'm pretty sure. He was a teammate of your boy from last week. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Jeff Guangzhong, uh, whoever <laughs> that guy was that, that was the first Chinese player to sign with Jordan Brand. I think they might yeah. be teammates. So anyway, uh, in his second game for Sichuan Blue Wells in, in November of 2016, Josh had 41 points, 19 rebounds, and five blocks in a loss to the Guangdong Southern Tigers. In that game, he took 18 three-pointers. He made seven <laughs> of them. Oh, my God. He, so he, he left that – I know. So he left that team in January. So he, he literally played for them for two months. Played 26 games. He averaged 18 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, two blocks in 30 minutes. And he only made one. He only started one game, played in twenty six, started one, and that's what he averaged. What? So, I love Josh Smith just because he's a high flyer. He's, uh, for the most part in his career, a hell of a defensive player. He just murders the rim. Um, he's a ton of fun on two K, which you know that's fifty percent of our decision anyway. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that goes into our decision. So. Uh, Josh Smith this week, Rav, is the guy. He's my player of the week, a guy that I love. What do you got? Um, the last NBA memory I have of Josh Smith is him basically winning that uh, that game for the Rockets um, when they were down. They were down like, a, I don't know who they were playing. They were down like a fuck time. I think it was the Thunder. And, like, James Harden's on the bench. And then Josh Smith decided he was good at basketball I started hitting threes and led like this eighteen point comeback and they ended up winning winning. Um 
that's all I think about. I think about the old Josh Smith. In my head, he was fat, but I don't think he really was. <laughs> yeah, he's he was just kind of, you know, he was he's just kind of awkwardly made, I guess. But for a guy that played like the tweener, you know, he was a stretch four or whatever. So. Yeah, um, I'll give you um, – okay, so my guy is um, going with the guy I hate. And after the weekend, I had um, naturally. So I'm going to give you a couple of guesses to see if you can come up with it. I'm going to give you three guesses, and it ties into our college player of the week or college topic of the week. So your first clue is Rick Stansberry recruited him. Oh man, this is a guy that you hate. I hate him. I hate him with passion. Okay, he recruited him, Jarvis Fernando. No, but I did hate that guy. Um, he was. He is still in college. He's still in college. Yes, he'll be a junior this year. He'll be a junior, and Stansbury recruited him. So Stansbury recruited him to Texas A&M, yep. I think. And he plays for A&M. Is it the – oh, wait, it's the big guy, Tyler something. <laughs> yes, it's Tyler Davis. <laughs> Tyler Davis? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. go on. I know you hate this guy. Okay, first of all, here's here's a couple of reasons why I hate him. Um one, he he just looks annoying, and that's that's about ninety percent of the reason I don't yeah. like most people. He is um, he's like a taller, big baby Davis. He's like six ten. He's listed at six ten, two seventy. I bet my life he's six eight, three twenty. <laughs> he is fat as hell. So here are some guys that came out with him in in high school, um, and I'll give you. I'll let you know where he was ranked. He was ranked fifth coming out of high school. 2015. Number 17 on that list is your boy Taco Fall for UCF. No way. Yeah. Number 11 is my man Giorgio's Papa Giannis. Wait. He he was a high, he played high school ball in America. Yeah, he played in Pennsylvania. Did so, but he didn't go to college. Did he go to college? No, he never committed. He went to the draft. He got a guarantee from Sacramento, so he went in the draft. Was he old enough? Was he already 19? Yeah, he was 18 when he got drafted. So, he, yeah, it, whatever. He was like a year removed. I don't know. It fucking worked somehow. Oh, a year removed. Okay. Gotcha. All right. All right. Sorry. Uh, Continue. You're good. You're good. I know you get sidetracked because I was sidetracked on that, too. Um, <laughs> the seventh overall center, Isaac Humphreys. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Then we got okay, number five. The top five is great. Five is Tyler Davis. Four, Caleb Swanigan. Three, Steven Zimmerman. Two, Diamond Stone. One, Scalabissier. Oh, my God. Bro, that top five is brutal. I mean, Diamond Stone and who was the guy right before him? Uh, who was three? Steven Zimmerman. Yeah, Diamond Stone, Steven Zimmerman. Those guys are clinging to their jobs in the NBA, if they even still have one. They may not have one. They might be in the G League by now. And Swanigan's the most likely to carve out a niche in the league. I agree. Uh, well, Papa Giannis will hang out, but he doesn't really matter. Like, if 
if things don't work out for him, big deal. He'll go back to Europe and make a bunch of money. I think Scal's the real wild card out of that list. Tyler Davis is a fucking shot to make the roster. He he doesn't. He's he's got a little bit of Dakari Johnson in him because he doesn't. I feel like he doesn't move very well. But Dakari is way more skilled offensively than that guy has ever been. I believe. Um, yeah. I feel like Tyler Davis is a guy who's just in the right place at the right time. I don't know if he really has an NBA skill. I don't. I mean. Oh yeah. So I went back and looked. I tried to figure out why I don't like this guy. So I went back and looked at his at his stats. So and by stats I mean the four times he's played Kentucky. So um, <laughs> he had 15 and 12 in the Kentucky game where Humphrey spiked the ball and the Cats lost in overtime. Um, mm. So that's probably part of the reason I hate him. Um, then he mm. lost. They lost to the Cats in the SEC tournament that year. Um, he had eight and nine in that game. He didn't really do much. He was just kind of um, out there breathing. Um, <clears throat> last year, um, they lost to the Cats in the SEC tournament again, and he had 11 and eight. He was he was useless. And then he had 13 points and two rebounds um, and seven turnovers in a 50-point loss to the Cats in January. So, um, stay hot. Stay hot, buddy. So here's why I found him. So I hadn't thought about Tyler Davis probably since January uh, 3rd when they lost by 50 points to the Cats. Um, he was he is playing in the FIBA America for Puerto Rico. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so who knew he was Puerto Rican? So I saw a highlight. I was watching the top, top like, 10 plays of the tournament so far. Like, number three was, like, this dude blows a layup, and this guy dunks it back in. And I was like, that was a nice play. Who is that? And I looked, and it was Tyler Davis. And I was like, fuck that. <laughs> it's not a cool play First anymore. All, no, it's not a cool play anymore. First of all, he's never jumped ahead in his life. So he has. He looks like he's slimmed down a little bit. So I guess he might actually weigh 270 now. But um, he's averaging, like, 12 and, and 6 for Team Puerto Rico. Um and I, I just can't get over the fact that he's one. He's still in college, and I don't know the the, the game of basketball is so far removed from his skill set now. I don't really know what he what he brings to the table. I don't. He's just a very strange player to me. I don't get it. He is. I I don't think he's a good player. I think he's just a big kid who, like I said, he doesn't move very well. He just himself down low and gets put backs and just happens to be in the right place at the right time. I don't like him because he's a cat killer and uh, not literally, figuratively. Um, don't Not slandering the guy. Um, uh, but yeah, that's a good choice this week. Uh, and I like that you reached into the, the bucket and pulled a, pulled, pulled a college player out. Yeah, I can't stand him. Um, we, we had a, we, I remember the first we saw him play. I think we both had the discussion about how terrible he was, and he just gets lucky. Like it's it's incredible how there are certain players where the ball just and it's not like like Charles Barkley would get like ten or eleven rebounds a game because he was in the right place at the right time. Or like Kevin Love even talks about you know if a guy shoots from the wing, uh, percentage wise it's going to kick long on the left side, whatever. Like stuff like that where guys get a lot of like I call them garbage rebounds. Um, but mm-hmm. there's at least some strategy in it. Like, when you watch A&M play, like, even the dunk back he got, he was just running the court and the dude blew the fucking light up. Like, that's not anything to do with talent. 
sucks like you're just running the court. There's the ball. Like it's incredible. It's like he it's like every it's like he wakes up in the morning and finds a finds a hundred dollar bill on the ground every day. <laughs> That's the most annoying kind of player too. And might I add the most annoying kind of person. <laughs> Very true. Well, I think that's a wrap uh, for episode three this week, Rav. Um, why don't you go ahead and hit them with the social media stuff, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, um, follow us on Twitter at Side2SidePod. That is the number two and not the spelling of two, T-W-O, or the other three spellings of two that none of us could get right in elementary school. Um, I'll, we'll put up some stuff about um, Josh Smith, and I'll try to find an article that's hate-bashing Tyler Davis. Um uh, that's really that's that's about it. Uh, make sure you subscribe on iTunes uh, and Google Play if that's what you're into, or if you can subscribe. To that. I don't know. I'm an Apple guy, but uh, subscribe. So we'll keep making this for you guys. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for episode four. Mm-hmm.